0: The following podcast contains conversations about active persecution situations. Therefore, certain details and names have been changed or intentionally obscured for the safety of those involved. Also, our guest's internet connection was at points not stable, so some of the content may have background noise, apologies in advance. Please enjoy. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the What About podcast. Uh, This podcast is slightly out of any series we're doing at the moment, but it's an incredibly important topic that's close to the heart of myself and our guests today. I'm really blessed to be joined today by Simon Fry, who leads the church here, and by Tim Martin, who's a church leader who's currently on mission in North Africa and supports a network of local church leaders in the area. We're discussing the whole topic of persecution what does it mean to think of persecution theologically and practically today and what should our response be to this welcome guys thank, thank you thank you very much so we're going to talk through this whole topic of persecution i know this is something very close to both of your hearts the persecution of Christians around the world is obviously something that's not new we've seen it from um, the start of the New Testament church but you guys are both involved you Tim very much on the ground there with church leaders who are involved day to day in in persecuted areas and in conversations with those so I know you have a lot of links with the guys that we work with in in East Africa as well Tim do you want to just open up and share with us a little bit about your heart for this you know what's your story how have you got involved in this area and where's God really
1: pressing into you at the moment yeah of course thanks very much So over about 20 years ago, our family of churches started realizing that we should not only be planting and starting churches in the UK and in Europe and in places close to us, but actually we should play our part in reaching the unreached and sending people to go to predominantly unreached places. Many of those would be in the Muslim majority world. Learn the language, learn culture and try and reach through friendship building etc muslim people and i got involved in that uh, because a couple in the church where i was the leader were called to join the first team that we were putting together i had my own heart for that kind of work so I, i didn't need persuading i didn't see this as a distraction i saw this as very much part of our church's vision but it was the first time we'd done anything like this they went to turkey And I went to make my first visit to them 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago now. Landed in Istanbul, started to look around the city, and the Holy Spirit just gripped my heart. At that time, there were a handful of churches in a city that was well over 15 million people. And I can remember walking around the the streets just crying at the need, the, the fact that Jesus wasn't known. And that's Passion has gripped my heart ever since, and I got asked to help with other teams we were sending or churches that were in places where there was a Muslim majority and were wanting to reach them. And that's how I got in. I continued being involved in helping to start churches in the UK and carried on being a pastor. But a lot of my time was increasingly spent traveling and supporting other places. We got a young family at that time, so I tried to limited travel. But in more recent years, I traveled a lot more. My wife travelling with me. And then we made a visit to where we are now to support a family that we'd sent. And while we were here, God spoke to us clearly that actually we should relocate. Carry on the same role of supporting churches, church planting teams, but do it from here as well as trying to get something going into this situation. In some of the places we're working, there is officially freedom. People are allowed to convert. But nonetheless, if the majority religion, which in the cases where I'm working is Islam, people can still see it as a portrayal, even though there's legally uh, a way to convert. Mm -hmm. They would see their identity in the nationality of the place where they're living, and in being a Muslim. So if someone changes that, then some people would turn against them. So even if it's not the official law enforcement, families can turn against people and people can be kicked out of their family, lose the family job, face physical violence, and sometimes the family would get police involved if they knew someone in the police. So even in, in those situations, there can be persecution, but there's other places, as we'll hear about, where there's no freedom, and it's actually illegal to convert, and then it's much, much harder for people. And in some places where we're working, there's actually a mix of persecution. It's not only Christians that are persecuted, and it's so important Important at the beginning of this conversation that those of us who are listening and wanting to know how to respond, it it shouldn't only be for Christians that we're passionate about. Persecution Mm -hmm. upon any group for any reason is abhorrent to God and not how He designed us to to work as a society and in relationship with one another. So, our, our prayer and our thoughts need to be wider than just the Christian world, but obviously, it affects us. A lot and known for decades that actually christians are by far and away the largest number we experience the largest number of persecution in the world mm.
2: i think that's a, a great point tim you know, We could often think of just christian persecution and because you know we can we can um sympathize and even some people can even empathize uh with that but actually God, as you say, loves all people and we're called to demonstrate God's love to all people and whether they are like us or they're not like us and even told to love our enemies. And so even sometimes those people who may have been the persecutors, if they suddenly find themselves being persecuted, then that's we as Christians have a responsibility to to try and help there as well, which... um, I think is a great point. And I love the the fact that a couple of times you mentioned there obviously it's clear in, in in scripture, God wants us to go to the nations, but there was those specific times that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and for myself some people would know this testimony about, about um, me but that when I was a young man I was, I was a Christian but I was backslidden and I was just going along to a youth group because my parents led it and I, if I didn't I'd have to go home and go to, to bed early or I could stay up and be at this group and there were you know a load of girls who were older than me which for me that was my motive of going oh okay I don't want to go to bed I can go and be with these, these older girls but I can remember even in that backslidden state where my heart and my motives were impure, going to a group one evening and they had some missionaries uh, from Egypt that were there. And they started to share about what missionary life was actually like and how hard it was and how tough it was and how lonely they felt and all these things. And as they were sharing, they began to cry at the difficulties that they were, were facing and I can remember God at that moment speaking to me and saying, "One day, Si, you'll do this sort of thing." And and I can remember that at that time thinking, "Okay, God, but not not uh, not now. When I'm really old, like 16 or 17, because I was only 12 at the time. So 16 and 17 is a uh, is really old to a 12 year old." But uh, yeah, that's where I felt God uh, clearly speak to me, and it was actually it wasn't until I was 16 or 17 that. I did come back to God and and started living for Him. So it's almost like God heard that, said, "All right, I'll let you go away and be stupid for a while, and uh, then I'm going to come and convict you, bring you back to myself." And uh, like Tim, as soon as our church started to get involved in things overseas, I was, you know, hands up, yep, yeah, that, that's for me. I want to I want to get involved in the the work there and initially i was and still am involved in south sudan and north uganda and in south sudan the people when we first got involved with them were persecuted because back then it wasn't south sudan it was just the southern part of sudan and and the, the northern part of sudan were trying to islamify the, the the southerners so we never would even talk about the tribe that we're talking about we made up a, a name from the bible we called them the benjamin people but now we're free to say no it's a Taposa people we're working with because the south is uh, free and actually they're not persecuted in that way however they christians there still do get persecution from tribal it's mm-hmm. tribal religion and village elders sometimes and so they have to face that and then more recently, since uh, 2013, I've been involved in the Horn of Africa and with an Islamic people group there who, who, who praise God, many of them are, are turning to, to Jesus at the moment. So uh, we have the privilege of being involved there. So it was for, But really, that all this journey for me started back then when I was backslidden and my motives were impure and God spoke into my heart. So as soon as I came back to him, I knew that this would be part of my Christian walk yeah, and
0: I think that's that's the testimony for myself as well. In in some ways, in the that it was when I was young that God impressed on my heart the the support for for those in in persecuted areas, but also those in in need, in poverty, and trapped in in injustice and that's something that god's then brought forward in in my heart but i think there'll be some people listening for whom you know that that is true as well that you know they've they felt god say a very specific thing into their heart and then for others they'll want to just know more in terms of what does persecution mean maybe they they don't know much about what persecution looks like around the world and actually having you know someone like yourself tim in 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 this uh, podcast would be great just to hear that practical on the ground things of what is going on and let's though start at the beginning as it were you know we know that persecution of god's people people. Persecution of the church in particular is not a new thing. We see that scripturally and and we see that God's people have always been called to be set apart and so that will cause problems. What is the history of Christian persecution? What does the Bible say about
1: this topic? Tim, do you want to kick us off? I think the the clearest places with Jesus and the disciples. I mean, there are times in the Old Testament where God's people and some specifically some of God's prophets were persecuted sometimes even by their own people because they didn't like the message so depending on how broad you want to go in terms of defining persecution you can go right the way back to the the old testament but I think it's helpful for our conversation to start with the things that Jesus said because primarily we're talking about those who follow Jesus now and follow his teachings and Jesus said to his disciples at at one point In the Gospels, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, which is a a powerful picture and and actually not a nice picture. Now, when when we think about following Jesus, obviously, we think of things like forgiveness and blessing and, and healing and wholeness and peace and friendship with Jesus. And all of these things are absolutely right. But Jesus made it very clear with his disciples that it was not going to be only that side of things. He talked about the world hating him, and therefore it would hate them. So identifying with Jesus in some situations right from the beginning can bring hatred, a strong, strong word, Mm. and wolves devouring sheep, which Mm. I don't think, forgive me, listeners, if... You don't like this image, but it is what Jesus said. We would, none of us would want to watch that, really, because of how horrible it is. But Jesus said it was like that. Later in the New Testament letters, you know, we're told that Satan is like a lion that wants to devour, and, and he's seeking his prey. And it's so important to realize that ultimately what the New Testament teaches us is there are evil powers and principalities that cause these things that whilst people might be involved, they're the instruments. And as you, as we said earlier on this call uh, podcast, we are to love our enemy. So although it was people doing this, and sometimes in the New Testament, those that were in authority, either the Roman authorities or Jewish authorities, we are to love them, and it's an enemy who's behind it. And it, you, some of the letters were written specifically to the early church to encourage them to keep going, keep believing. Paul, in a couple of places where the people he's writing to are experiencing persecution, he says, live in a manner worthy of the gospel um, so that they may know. He talks like that in Philippians. So that even the persecutors would know that the gospel is true because of how you're living. So Paul, of course, himself was a persecutor. It it does us good when we're praying to remember that actually... So much of the New Testament has come from someone who was a persecutor because they thought in their zeal for serving God and following the revelation of the law that had come through Moses, that when people were saying, actually, it's Jesus now, and Jesus is greater than Moses, and we worship him, that Paul, in his zeal, stood against them and persecuted people. And, of course, he was there when Stephen, was martyred. But amazingly, Jesus comes to Paul, reveals himself. Paul turns, repents, and then becomes one of the greatest missionaries mm. for Jesus. And he himself told people in Acts, he said, entering the kingdom of God is heart. And he was talking about persecution. So when we, I think it's helpful to, to read the New Testament through the eyes of opposition sometimes, not just blessing and, and good things that we see because it's right the way through the New Testament. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Right, as you say, from the beginning, when the disciples face persecution from the authorities, they don't come back and pray uh, and say, God, what strange thing is happening to us? Why, why is this happening? You're ascended on high, Jesus. Why am I being persecuted? They, they pray for boldness to keep preaching. They rejoice that they've been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of... Of Jesus and as Tim has said you know Paul writes in in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 all who live a godly life will suffer persecution so there's that sense in which actually as we commit to live for Jesus and start living for Jesus we will face some opposition and of course some people face that more greatly than than others, but there, there is that expectation. And even with the coming of Jesus, you see this 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 spiritual battle as Tim has referred to happening. John 1 verse 5 makes it clear that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There's that battle that's sort of going on and the, the, the darkness is trying to put out the light, but it can't. And and Jesus later says, I have said these things to this is John 16, verse 33, I've said these things to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. But then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And later on at the, in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you get that uh, wonderful passage in Revelation 12, verse 11, that encourages us to, to continue and to conquer and to win in Jesus. And it says this, in one sense it's not such encouraging words, but it, it, but it is. On the other hand, it, and they have conquered him, that's the devil, and his ways, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of Jesus, that is, and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So they didn't shrink back from death. They they were willing to to stand firm, to hold the word of their testimony, to stand on the, what Jesus has done for us on the on the cross. And we will conquer. Christians are conquerors in that way, but it is through persecution it's through suffering that we have to we have to enter jesus had to, to do that jesus had to suffer and as tim has said you know we're G- jesus in that passage john 15 makes it clear that we are not greater than our master if they persecuted him they will persecute us if he had to suffer so will we so you can you can see it there and and through the early church history as well for the first 300 years. So, you know, it was a, a mixture of sometimes intense persecution, sometimes less intense persecution. But the church growing despite that persecution that was coming upon it. Yeah, and I think anyone who who does want to look
0: into this topic, that that sense of expectation of persecution is in, in scripture is important. Because as you say, I think often you can come into your Christian walk and you can... Uh, suddenly be surprised if you've not been if it's not been spoken about if you haven't had that conversation with people that actually that christian walk can be difficult and that christian walk cat will have opposition you can suddenly the first time you face that be surprised if you're sold a gospel of you know sunshine and rainbows you know it's so important that when we speak to those who are coming to know christ we go actually you know what this is this is a difficult choice you're making you know you're not being saved i heard it before you're, you're not being saved onto a, a cruise ship you're being saved onto a warship you know we, we are in a spiritual battle so don't be surprised when the opposition comes because when it does come you know what to do if you're on a warship you're trained you're you're equipped if you're on a cruise ship you're surprised your pina colada's fallen over so let's be aware that we've got a an expectation of persecution i think is is really good and i just love what you said about boldness as well i love that passage in acts 4 where they say and now lord uh, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness you know that's the prayer of people who have just come out of being before the sanhedrin and grilled for for loving christ and for preaching his name um we should expect that and we should expect to to preach for for boldness i think i think that is um amazing and um very much the reality of what we we see around the world
2: i'm still struggling to believe you like pina coladas
0: (laughs) and getting caught in the rain (laughs) Uh,
2: but uh, yeah
0: no i it's an amazing truth and in terms of speaking that that onto a more practical note then tim do you want to have you got some examples you could share maybe of some guys who are currently going through that that sort of those difficult times and despite the persecution that people are facing preaching the gospel with boldness
1: yeah so the 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 country where I'm based now and in this region, there, are, there was a story last week of someone who had became a believer from the majority religion. And then somehow someone found out, even though they were trying to be very, very careful, they had not told their family. And this person was arrested and taken to prison. Very hard for people to, to find them but eventually they managed to track them down they were in prison for quite a few days very badly treated and released and back to the family and now the, the people's friends the other christians who are helping this person are trying to find ways that they can connect with them again without exposure. now that's not an example of someone who is is then carrying on sharing their faith because it's too dangerous for them at the moment, but it's a very current local example. Just to be clear, I don't know this person, but I know well the person who's involved. So you get examples of where it's so life-threatening for them that they do need to be quiet for a while, lay low for a while. And, And we need to remember in the New Testament, we see there are times where Paul took different approaches to his persecution. There's times where he carried on and and with great courage continued preaching, and then sometimes things would get worse or there was a a spiritual breakthrough. There's other times where he escaped, being lowered over the city in a basket, and there's other times where he was imprisoned and then said, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't treat me this way. So he used the law. So there are different approaches when when these things happen. And so the laying low, the trying to... Be wise in how you behave to preserve your life so that you can witness another time, is what some people do. In another situation, in this region, this will be very common, is we, we try and help people use the right words and the right language. So one of the things is not to say that you are now Christian, but to keep to try and share your faith by using appropriate stories of the prophets and remember in this part of the world Jesus is a prophet so you can talk about him appropriately and try and share what you're now believing in an appropriate way so not just to kind of openly preach because that would cost you your life and there is a time for that we do know people that have lost their life but to try and sensitively over many many weeks and months share about how you've had a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, which would then lead to an understanding of, oh, he's not just a prophet. Mm. He really is from God. He did die on the cross. So the way in this region people are discipled is is to do, in one context, some years ago where we were working, there was no established church at all, no Christians in the area. There was conflict going on in this area, but near culture people. So people who weren't from that people group, but were very similar, and they had a common language. They did not have the same heart language, but they had like a, a trade language, which they shared. They were seeing fruit in this area. People were becoming believers. But the, the towns were, were so close-knit that if people stopped going to the mosque, they would know. Mm. So what did they do? They didn't want to go to the mosque and keep praying. But if they didn't, people would ask them. And so the, the people that were involved in discipling them and had led them to faith said, look, you need to go to the mosque for your protection. You can pray to Jesus. So you're not lying. Your heart has changed. Your identity, because often in these parts of the world, you are Muslim culturally. Mm. It's more than, a, than a, a religious thing. We find that hard because you think, no, if you're Muslim, then you're following all the rules of Islam. But actually, it, it, there are plenty of people here who say they're Muslim and don't follow the rules. Mm. So it's more than the religion thing. So in, in this setting uh, that I'm talking about, they said, look, keep going to the mosque. We will keep discipling you in homes, and when there's enough people that you can support one another, even though there'll be opposition, then you can begin to show that you have changed by maybe not going to the mosque. But we need enough people to support you. So that's an overview of some of what goes on when it's illegal to convert. In that one sort
0: of scenario then, when they went to the mosque, would they recite... um... The prayers and and passages out loud but then in their heart they would pray differently and and is that how they
1: yes yeah exactly that and and in some contexts people are happy to say Allah is Mm. the same God because Allah was the creator Allah is the name given to God before Islam came it's the Arabic name now in some other situations that's not helpful because actually, you know, people don't believe that Allah is the father of the Lord Jesus. But if you're saying Allah is the supreme uh, being, the only God who created Abraham, who cr- created everything and then called Abraham, then they felt comfortable praying to Allah. They would, when they confessed that Muhammad is his prophet, They may have had to do that very quietly if people were near them, trying not to kind of say it with any degree of conviction, because they wouldn't have wanted to say that or not say it at all. And in their heart, their prayers anyway would be going to Jesus, they'd be thinking of Jesus.
0: Yeah, and I think it's good. You know, you said in that situation, you know, seasons change. And so at that point, it might not have been good if there there was only one or two. But in time, that season changes and you see more believers coming and you see a group being formed, a church being formed, and that might look different. But it's to do with the season and what God's doing at that time. Something I was just thinking about was what happens when they're asked a question directly. You know, what happens if someone comes to them and says, you know, do you agree with with Sarah 19? You know, Allah does not beget a son. But what do they say in that situation?
1: They they would have to be very wise in how they answered. And one of the, the the principles, if you like, that we would work to is helping them read the scripture and be guided by the Holy Spirit as to what to say.
2: Hmm.
1: Because I I have never been in their situation, and I don't want to put on them what I think is right when my life isn't at risk. And Jesus did say to the disciples, you know, when you are persecuted, the Holy Spirit will instruct you with what to say. And in that passage you just read from Acts 4, that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit helped them with what to say. So we would be discipling them. That testimony to Jesus, testimony of their changed life, is absolutely right. They need Mm -hmm. to be clear. But then to ask the Holy Spirit to help them with what to say. Because it's not going to be fruitful if right from day one they start saying we have changed or yes, we now believe this in a way that invites persecution. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them may be comfortable to do that, but others won't be. So we, we did not instruct them specifically as to how to answer those questions. Mm. Rather, we asked them to listen to the Holy Spirit and know that the Holy Spirit would guide them. And, yeah, so I, I don't know ultimately mm. specifically how they answered, but they would have found ways to, to do that. And one answer on your specific question would be, from when Muslims say, Allah, you believe Allah begat a son, they literally mean that Allah mm. engaged in physical yes. uh, intercourse. So it's easy to say no to that mm. uh, and have a completely clear conscience. Amazing. Amazing. If think... they were to say, do you think Allah is the father of the Lord Jesus? Mm. Then you'd have to say yes. But I think you would answer and say, there is no way. Allah is one. Yeah. There's only one God. Uh, that there's one God and his name is Allah. We can say that with a clear conscience. There's one God, his name is Allah. He did not physically begat a son. I do not believe that. Yeah.
2: And it's interesting when you look at the New Testament and you look at uh, Jesus himself, he didn't walk around saying, oh, by the way, I'm the, the son of God. I'm the son of God. Actually, he referred to himself as the son of man more often than he did the, the, the son of God. And it was only a there's few glimpses in it. So he didn't deliberately go around Uh, saying stuff that he knew would be provocative even though it was true he tried to do it in uh, ways that that demonstrated who he was through through sort of drip feeding the truth through to people and also through the the you know he says you don't believe because of what I say believe because of the works that I do at least and I think has to be that in our mind as well we're so we we Particularly if you grow up in the West, you grow up in a culture where it's very easy uh, and doesn't cost us anything to say Jesus is the Son of God or Jesus is God or the Second Person of the Trinity. All, all these things don't cost us anything anymore. But for people that come, particularly from uh, Islamic uh, background, then actually it, it does, and they like I think like Jesus shows have to be wise in how they begin to drip feed that truth. And, and interestingly, as Tim we're saying there's a there's a book called any3 anyhow anywhere anyone and it's talking about how you can engage in talking to people of an islamic background in particular about how to come to um, jesus and he says there that we the way to go about it. It doesn't, you know, doesn't encourage you to talk straight about Jesus being the, the Son of God in in that situation. He he talks uh, about leading them to Jesus without defining it, and says, and actually, often within time, they they end up recognizing that jesus is more than just a prophet that they recognize once they've sort of prayed if you like what we would call the the sinner's prayer of how they can be forgiven they often through dreams or just through their own discovery and through you know further drip feeding will very quickly come to a place where they say yes jesus is lord mm-hmm. amazing yeah so maybe side you want to give a few examples of
0: some of the guys that we're working with in, and you're working with in east africa and some of the stuff that they're going through in terms of of persecution, similar to what Tim was saying there.
2: Yeah, sure. So actually, many of the people that we work with, particularly the uh, leaders, have all faced their own type of persecution. Some of it being physical, where they have been beaten. In fact, one person was badly beaten and had to escape his his hometown dressed as a woman and 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 flee to a a major city where he could get some help and he came across some some Christians there so and they and they were able to to help him in that situation so it's it's it is quite common that some of them who like Tim has mentioned that are in countries where legally speaking speaking and technically speaking they are free to to change their religion but culturally speaking they are not and actually culturally speaking it's so strong that if they do try t- to leave they they do face serious persecution even the, the, the threat of death in these countries where they're supposed to be free so that's it is a, a real challenge for them and many of them have to flee to go to safe houses or go to different parts of the country, they lose their family. One of the, uh, the people said to me, I lost everything when I came to Christ. I lost my business. I lost my wife. I lost my children. And actually, this was several years later. And thankfully, he could give the testimony, but God has given it all back to me. And he had a new business. And God, sadly, his his, his first wife didn't Uh, become a Christian um, but God had given him a new wife and he had a had a new family he was still praying for his other children that they would they would come through but that's part of the cross that he has had to bear and that's you know that's just for me as a dad that just breaks my heart and I know it breaks his heart that he's got other children that he can't actually see because if it's he's, he's often the family that the pressure is put on to do honour killings and, and that sort of thing, because he has brought shame in that situation. There's another country that we are involved in, 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 the, in the Horn of Africa, where recently believers were arrested and were in prison, and the, the, the church here will know about it because we wrote to, to our MPs and other people about it to try and get them out. We were asked to do that, and, and thankfully... They were released after about uh, f- five or six months, but they themselves had uh, yes, sadly suffered persecution in the prison, not just being locked in prison, but mistreated in, in, in prison. However, praise God, as a result of that... The, the, the court system have ruled that they are free to remain in that country as Christians. And, of course, they've come out and they've come out of that country for a, a season to, to, to get some trauma counselling, to get some prayer and some, um, and some ministry. But it is on their heart, on certainly some of them that I've spoken to, to, to go back into that, yeah. that, that nation and live there. And they said we were, as Tim has shared earlier, that they said they'll be wise about how they live because if they can't just suddenly get back in, right? Yeah, we're the Christians; we said we can live here because they will. They won't be living very long, and they and they, they they know that. They know the risks. They know how to live amongst their people in a wise way. But actually, this is a, a major step forward, and and they are actually asking us to try and help them now to arrange a meeting between them and the president, so that they can. The president will give them permission to be there as Muslim background believers in in that country, which would be again another wonderful step forward if that if that is um, able to happen. However, culturally speaking, still they are greatly at risk, and they they know the risks, but they are willing to, 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 to bear that for the sake of Jesus. It's their, their testimony is very much similar to the Apostle Paul's when he says in Romans 8 verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of this present is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us and they are living for the future they are living for for eternity and actually persecution in that sense has helped focus their attention to live for the age to come in in a way that sadly many christians in the west get distracted by comfort and get distracted by things being nice and that they're not willing to step out in ways for jesus because it could impact their comfort yeah i think that's that's something that that's been picked
0: up on from specifically from yours but some things you said as well tim that i think we haven't touched on yet which is the way that the the holy spirit and that god uses persecution for the furthering of his gospel and the furthering um of his name to the nations the way that you know we see in that small part um of what happens there but in his sovereignty god sees all and so you know you look at what happened to these guys in the horn of africa and what has happened to them is is used the word abhorrent earlier tim which I, I like you know they should never have been in that situation you know imprisoned wrongly tortured that should never have happened but god uses that for the furthering of his name in his church and that is our prayer that he will that that will be the outcome of this tim do you have anything sort of to add on that or
1: I, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely right we see right the way down through church history times when you think A church, either a handful of churches or a much bigger group of churches in a country, almost seems to be extinguished because the the governments decide they do not want Christianity. And sometimes it's not for religious reasons. It's important to to put this into the conversation. Sometimes it's more political. They say Christianity is from the West and we don't want anything to do with the West. We don't like what we see in the West. We don't and sometimes it's about democracy. They don't believe that democracy is right. And actually, a lot of democratic values come out of the Christian influence in the West. So some countries look and say, we don't want, and Christianity is Western, so we need to clamp, clamp down on all of that. And then years later, when people start connecting again in, in that country or with the church, they find that there's been a huge harvest at a time when you thought, actually, it was at its darkest. And this can be told again and again, either at a country level or at a local level. Just one quick story we heard when Simon was saying about people having to leave home and losing everything. We he heard this through a friend. It's from a country that we are working in. But he was put in contact with one believer who had, had to leave home. Now The family kicked him out, kicked him out of, his business, out of their work, and he had nothing. And he'd been homeless during a lot of this time. And when he met this believer from another country who was there to encourage him, he said, look, I've had nothing, I've lost my family, and I, all I've had sometimes, haven't had a home to live or food to eat, all I've had is Jesus and the New Testament. But that's enough for me, which is just stunning that he said, and he's now living in this new city, and the the teaching him things in the bible and this person says if only there was other believers here who i could meet with it's really good that you've come from another city but if only there was a church here so this man says well look let's pray that god does that and is there anyone here who you think you could share your face with is there anyone you think you could give a book to the, the new testament this man thinks for a while and he says well i do have a friend he's a professor Um, And he's come to mind as you've been talking, maybe God wants the other man who's discipling him, says, well, look, let's pray for this. And you try and give him the New Testament. And local believer. The next day, the local believer gets a phone call from the professor. They chat, and then the professor says, you have a book for me. And this man says, how do you know? I do have a book for you, but how do you know? He said, I had a dream. I saw a man in white come to me and told me that you had a book for me and I needed to ask you. Now that story then Praise repeated God. several times in the coming weeks and there's right. where people had exactly the same dream. It's remarkable. And there's now a house church in that city. There was nothing but through persecution and a man losing everything and now going to that place and praying and God giving dreams, there's now a new community started. And those stories could be told again and again. So mm-hmm. they're kind of, small scale of individuals right the way up to bigger community scale and even country scale. God does work through persecution in remarkable ways.
2: Yeah, let, let me just tell Tim, because I know it will bless his heart, because this is a report that I just got the, the, the other day from three of the countries that we work in 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 the Horn. And so over the last three years, despite all this persecution, despite the fact that That every time they share their faith, they're risking their lives. It says, We have baptized 35 people from our people group. More than 175 people have become believers. And they have shared the word of God to 1,175 people over the last three years. I mean, that's such boldness. That's 1,175 times that they could have ended up being put in prison or they could have, you know, ended up being beaten up or something. Uh, like that or, or or worse and yet God has caused many of them to you know 10% roughly to to more than 10% to, to come through to uh, believing faith and then 35 of them have actually said yeah no we're all in this and we're going to be baptized because obviously that when they get baptized that's like that's the line in the sand there's no there's no going back for somebody a Muslim background believer when they when they get baptized so um yeah so that's amazing and then also in a sister tribe over the last 10 years that they've been working with they have seen over 4000 people come to faith not directly but through the people that they have been uh, working with in a, in a sister tribe so it's just god despite the persecution is greatly at work praise god isn't it
0: so encouraging just to hear those amazing stories and testimonies of all that that god is doing and to sort of bring this discussion as it were to a close in the next sort of you know five ten minutes, it'd be good to just chat practically as to for guys who are living in the UK. What does this mean in, in their lives? If you're listening in and, you know, you're like, well, I'm, I don't live in a country that, you know, I, either by law or, or practically looks particularly persecuted at the moment. Although obviously we know that we face opposition and, you know, growingly within the West, there is a move away from Christian principles and what God has said is good for society and culture. And so we know that happens as well. And we, you know, over the next little while, we probably will see greater opposition but we know that it's not the same as what we see in the stories that we've heard today. Tim, you know, what What, what do you say to guys who say, to, you know, you know, I want to be hearing these stories, I want to be praying, I want to be plugging in, but I want it to impact my life practically day to day. What do you think some practical
1: things that they can be doing? That's an excellent question, and it's one which I, I think we should be asking. What, what part can we play in the worldwide family to help with this? And we can pray. One of the greatest things we can do is... Ask God to continue to work and continue to give believers courage, and that the gospel will continue to advance in these places. We can pray for their families, pray for children who will be affected, protection. We can actually pray. It doesn't happen. The Bible tells us we're to pray for peace, so let's pray too for peace. And we can pray. For that the enemies who are bringing about the persecution, whether it's religious people or political people, whether it's at a government level or just a local level, we can pray that they're confused, that they, they aren't able to find the people that they want to put in prison, or that the uh, cases get thrown out of court. So there is plenty we can pray for. And I think with the connection that you as a church have To some situations you can find out more of these stories not specific names obviously but more of these stories and what is happening that then helps you uh, identify with it and pray so it's not just praying somewhere in the world but that you have connections with people yeah i think that's
2: uh, it, very good a prayer definitely is not a cop out it's uh, it has releases di- divine power from on high and and god moves when he hears our prayers and as tim has rightly said it's good to be informed you know you might not get Know, to know names and places, but to pray specific prayers for, for people that we're working with or that he's working with or situations that they themselves know about through other friends and connections, to pr- pray specifically for those situations. It unlocks divine power so that God can move in that situation. Somehow in his sovereignty, You know, he, he invites us to join him in, in this journey of extending his kingdom and our prayers are, are part of that also where you have the ability to to encourage and communicate people there's some connections that are a little bit more public than others and they're happy to communicate uh, with people a bit more obviously you have to be sensitive how you communicate but even knowing that there's people out there praying for them that there's people out there concerned for them encourages them in it i i when in the early days when I used to be involved in in North Uganda they and, and they were going undergoing terrible a terrible time it wasn't necessarily persecution for their faith it was more just the sort of civil war situation but the the, the principle I'm sure applies across and they would say this they, they they used to quote proverbs 25 25 to us they used to say like cold water to a thirsty soul so is good news from a far country and they would say in our difficult time when we are thirsty when we are finding things difficult you coming and you encouraging us and you speaking to us and you sending us messages is like that cold water it refreshes our soul gives us energy to to continue and so there is that 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 when people feel alone and they feel isolated and, and it's, it's more difficult but when they know there's, there's brothers and sisters standing with them, concerned for them, loving uh, them and praying for them, it encourages them. And of course, I suppose another way that we can get involved when it's appropriate, because sometimes it's not not always appropriate. You kind of have to be led by the people on the ground and and asked to, like we were recently. But it's appropriate sometimes to to write and to contact people and to you know sort of publicise the abuse that is that that is going on in order to put some international pressure on situations but actually sometimes that can be unhelpful uh, so you do have to be led by the people uh, on the ground that are there and i think that's very much the
0: the thing that i often take away when we talk about mission and and specifically in persecuted areas and and tim you spoke about it earlier you know we who aren't in those those specific situations you know we can we can you know bring wisdom and and have those conversations but it's not for us to say how those people live their lives because we're not in that situation ourselves. It has to be dictated by local leaders, local indigenous people who are going through the situation, who know what is going on and primarily by the Holy Spirit and who knows to a greater extent exactly what is going on in the hearts of all. And so I think when we look to either do or or not do certain things that has to be really dictated by the Holy Spirit and by those guys on the ground. Amazing. Thank you so much both for joining. Tim, thank you for your wisdom and bringing what you've uh, brought to this conversation. It's been really a blessing to have you. Would it be all right just sign for you to pray for Tim and, and for the work in North Africa that he's involved in?
2: Yeah, of course. I'd love to actually. This, I, I'm pleased you asked me to to, to say that because actually Tim has been a real uh, influence in my own life, and I can remember when we Anna and I were going through a difficult time, not not personally, but in in terms of our calling on on God of God and saying, God, what are, what are we supposed to be doing here? We feel this, and we're not sure. Actually, Tim's wisdom and advice was so, just so timely, and it was it was just perfect. And so you know, Tim has been a blessing in my life over many years. So, yeah, I'd love to pray for him. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love Tim and his family. Lord God, thank you that you have put many years of uh, wisdom and experience in his life, Lord God, so that where you have placed him right now, Lord God, he has the skills, he has the wisdom, and he has the sensitivity to your Holy Spirit to know what to do even though sometimes he may feel overwhelmed and not sure uh, what the the right steps are uh, next Lord God thank you that you have been preparing him for such a time as this and Lord God I just pray for great fruit I pray for real uh, wisdom Lord God I pray for those right contacts to be there Lord God and I just pray Lord God that he not only would see much fruit through the lives of others, but Lord, you would bring those people alongside him too, that he can also have the joy of of sharing his faith with. That you, that 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 you, through your Holy Spirit, lead them to him and give them dreams about him and that sort of thing. Lord God, may he have some of those own divine encounters. Lord God, I pray you would richly bless him. You, you would provide for all of his financial needs, Lord God, and Lord God, that you would keep him safe Lord God and that you would keep his wife safe and his wider family safe too Lord God I do just pray for that Lord God I just pray your uh, richest blessing upon him Lord God and may you be with him may you just cause him to be more and more fruitful Lord God I pray that he would see many more sons and daughters in the kingdom come come to faith in you Lord Jesus and be raised up and become mighty men and women of God and I just pray this in Jesus name
1: Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate that. And thank you for having me this morning. And for people listening, please take this plea to pray to heart. We can stand with our brothers and sisters and play a part in this.
0: Amen. Amen. Great note to end on. Thank you so much, guys, for your uh wisdom and time and hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this podcast we'll see you again next month